The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today. We hope she's had safe travels where she's headed. We're talking the markets today with Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean, thanks so much for being on with us today. As we take a look, it's risk-off across much of the broad commodity sector as well as these outside markets. Yeah, it really is. I mean, anytime you know, we see you know, big moves down in Chinese stocks or big uh, you know, uh, changes in the currency and becoming weaker, the market worries that the tariffs are having a greater impact on their economy and, and hence um, potentially could be uh, problematic for future demand for many of the act products that they buy. Um, one of the things we look at is what's called the Purchasing Managers Index, uh, which is a good indication of manufacturing activity, and it's fallen down to 50 in China, and anything below 50 means that the manufacturing sector is in contraction. So we are definitely on the cusp of of moving into some uncomfortable territory and the market's definitely wondering how much longer can these tariffs, this tariff war go on without maybe pushing them into that contractionary period. You talk about the Chinese currency. The Shanghai stock market saw a large sell-off. It's nearing some of its four-year lows as well. The Chinese currency has taken a huge hit. In terms of money flow, Sean, where can this Chinese economy go in the, its stock market as well as its currency before it starts seeing money leave the country? Well, I mean, the problem with money in, in China is that they don't really allow it to leave the country. <laughs> you know, it's, they, they kind of have the capital in the country kind of shut off unless unless you're a foreigner. So people within the country really can't get out. Those that are out, you know, they're already getting out. I mean, the, the, the idea of a weak currency means money that can leave is leaving. Um, and, and obviously those that own Chinese stocks through other methodologies are, are, are getting out. So that process... It was already begun, and it really began, if you look at when the stock market and the currency really began to cave in, it was exactly when the trade war escalation began in June. I mean, you could just put a line right over the top, and it's been basically been under pressure ever since. The only difference now is it's getting to a point where uh, it's, it's becoming severe enough now that the implications economically, you know, now are more than idle speculation. It actually could do some real damage to their economy. Now let's go ahead and turn over now to the grain side of the page where we saw soybeans taking again the most hit, and you can relate that back to Chinese uh, influence and Chinese issues there with the current trade war and trade tensions that we see. But really across the grains, we are weak across the board. Where do we f- start finding some underlying support here for the, cr- for the grains? Well, we have to remember we kind of built up this rally on the idea that we had this very wet uh, cold pattern for, and harvesting got delayed, some damage was done. Um, some quality was reduced, and so we, we kind of ran up sort of a mini weather market, and now weather, mar- weather forecasts have turned uh, drier, and, 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 and so we, the market thinks it's got its worst around what, what the worst is right now. So that's really, the market would have corrected on its own, I think, even with or without you know, China having some issues. But when we look at support up with the wheat market, we have a lot, really good support at $5 spot price. The corn market, we really think 350 looks pretty pretty solid here and that's where we might go and obviously soybeans you know the eight dollar level um you know looks pretty solid kind of where it was before and so you know if, if we're going to run down because of china because of better harvest weather um you know, we still have some work to do to the downside before we get to levels where we would think the market could dig its heels and now remember there's supposedly 
potentially going to be this big meeting between the Chinese and the, um, the United States again on, on trade late November after the midterm election. So, you know, one might be thinking we could put a low in maybe early November and then the market might start to bid the market up on some, some idea that maybe something good could happen with that meeting. So we have to be a little careful about, you know, not overplaying the bearish side because at any moment, as we've seen before, a bullish news out of China or out of these, some of these trade talks can put a bid right back into this grain complex. And, Sean, you brought up right there, talking about some of the factors that we've seen fundamentally affecting U.S. grains. We had that cold bluster come here through the Midwest. We're still trying to realize maybe some of the possible crop damage that we saw to soybeans. Looking forward now, looking into the November WASDE report, because October kind of shook the markets up a little bit. Looking out to November, do you think we'll continue to back off on this corn and soybean yield? Yeah, I mean, they always start the process. Once they start a process, they usually continue it the next month because they made that, you know, they made a determination that they needed to. And they're probably going to do some more of it. We had such a, you know, solid rally here. I kind of think the market is expecting that. Um, and that more, the, the, the better harvesting weather probably is going to be more of an impact and the trade negotiations will be more of an impact. But I do think they'll dial back yield some. But in reality, when we look at, especially for soybeans, when we look at how large the ending stocks were supposed to be, you know, even if they backed off a little bit, it's still an enormous amount of soybeans. We're not getting ourselves in any trouble, you know, unless it's a, it's a really big knockdown, and we don't expect to see that. Doug, from a producer perspective, right now, is this kind of a sit-and-wait type pattern unless you're needing to get some move for cash positions and maybe look at some storage options? Well, we, we, we've suggested this week in our report that, you know, those that needed to move soybeans or needed to move corn, you know, for cash purposes, you know, to do so on this rally, you know, it offered a good short-term opportunity to move, but we really don't think that what we're seeing are longer-term term opportunities to sell. So we do think, you know, you got to move some grain. you got a great opportunity to do it. Uh, but, you know, we, we certainly wouldn't be selling any more than, than, than what you absolutely have to at this point, and we'd be doing some storage options, um, hedge tool wise, things like that, because the basis is very wide, and we do think it's going to narrow up once harvest gets completed here. So. And then in terms of a basis level, do you think we'll continue to tighten here as we move on later on, or are we kind of at a good basis point right now? I think there's some, some more basis improvement, especially if the market corrects further. I would absolutely expect that we would get some additional basis improvement. We do not think you know, that we've seen the, the, that we're at the best basis levels yet. It's a better, it's improving, but we still think there could be some more basis uh, improvement. So we would, you know, we would hold off a little bit thinking that the farmer can still get put some money in his pocket by, uh, by waiting this harvest out a little bit further. Again, we've been talking with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, here for the Fontenelle Final Bell. Coming up in our second segment, we're going to be talking dairy as well as livestock, so stay tuned for that. When you want the latest in ag news and market information, make it the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Today in for Susan Littlefield. Again, talking the market trade with us today is Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean, in our last segment, we talked grains. We talked outside markets. Now let's go to an important one, and that is dairy. Class 3 milk prices have been in decline since September. Is this somewhat of a seasonal pattern that we're seeing there? It is a seasonal pattern. It's been a very reliable seasonal pattern. And the bad news is, is that the seasonal pattern typically continues all the way into January before one can get comfortable that we've reached some kind of a seasonal low period. And we've embarrassed the milk market. We've been suggesting sales um, at various times here over the summer. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, when we look at the supply-demand equation in the U.S., 
uh, we, we just have too much cheese, too much um, uh, too much milk. And one of the big factors that's also out there is that the fluid milk demand in the United States has been falling year after year for over a decade. And every every time that demand falls, there's more milk available to make more cheese and more butter and more more milk powder. And that that has kept our market very oversupplied. And unfortunately, the New Zealand New Zealanders this year are having great weather and production up, you know, five to seven percent during their peak seasonal production season. And just the auctions they've been having over there have been putting pressure on prices. So I wish I had better news for your listeners. Um, but you know, our forecast is we still have lower levels to go, and, and it could be quite a bit lower before we, you know, can get ourselves into a place where uh, a seasonal low can be had and where prices start to constrict future supply. Sean, looking out at the long-term picture here on dairy, I kind of find it interesting when we start to see that sell-off occur on the charts is right around when this new NAFTA 2.0 USMCA trade agreement came out. And, of course, one of the big headlines coming from that was Canada backs off its dairy protection. With Canada backing off a little bit there, does that possibly open the door in the future, in 2019-2020, to help out U.S. dairy in this situation? Without question, you know, there's a little, there's a long-term uh, potential for improvement there, without a doubt. Um, but those things take time. You know, it, it, it's not an immediate, just don't snap your fingers and change decades of, of behavior. Um, so we do think it's a long-term uh, uh, bullish driver for the, for the dairy market, but it's just not going to be an impact for the next three to six months. The bigger impact is, you know, lowering U.S. production and, and, and getting getting foreign demand growing more rapidly. I mean, we need to be selling more cheese and more milk powder to the rest of the world to get rid of some of this excess. And unfortunately, while we're mired in a trade war with China, who's a big buyer of dairy, um, it's kind of hard to do that, especially when their currency is falling apart. It just makes us uncompetitive, you know. And kind of going back now to looking at the chart there of Class 3 milk, we've started to really drop. Looking at that, uh, the one that has a few more open interest, this January contract, where could we possibly find some underlying support where maybe we could find a potential bottom here? Well, what we like to do is we like to look at what we call 95% confidence linear regression lines. The fancy way of saying it's just a statistical 5, 4, and 3-year chart looking at where uh, past resistance and past support has come into play. When we look at those lines, most of them come through around 14 on the January contract. And so we think it's going to be pretty, we think it's clear sailing down to 14. And then we think the market can kind of, kind of dig its heels in within a 50 cent window there. That could be where the market likely, uh, you know, puts in a good low and, and starts to base. But we, we still got some work to do. We still have quite a bit of ways to get to that level, unfortunately. And that's, um, kind of where we see it going right now and so that's uh that's unfortunately the outlook we have and we wish we could we could be more bullish and, and be more pro, more proactive on on price but right now you know we just think we have that that's what that's in front of us right now Sean, let's kind of switch gears here and move from dairy, but stay in livestock. Live cattle and lean hogs today, again, a mixed trade, but mostly on the lower side of this. Let's start here with live cattle. Do we need to break out of this cycle on the cash side before we can see any change on the futures? Yeah, I mean, the cattle market it has, it has good fundamentals, good seasonals. We've been most cattle market since the spring. Uh, we have incredible export demand, up 15 to 20% year over year. And then we have this African swine fever situation in China that could potentially switch some demand away from pork and over to chicken and beef. 
Um, on top of this, we have a significant fall off from fourth quarter U.S. supplies, beef supplies to first quarter uh, U.S. beef supplies, one of the biggest drops in, in 10 to 15 years. So the fundamentals look pretty good to us uh, for cattle, but we also know that cattle is highly correlated to uh, stock market behavior and to macro conditions. And so when we have you know some squirrely conditions like we've had over the last week, it can bring some selling into the cattle market, but we do not think, unless it gets really extreme, that that's going to be enough to take the cattle market off its kilter. And we would be looking for the cash market to give us that signal that's ready to take the next level higher, which we think it will do as we move into the first quarter before maybe putting on a good top. Sean, as we start to wrap up here, where can folks get a hold of you to learn more about your advising and your newsletters? The best place is our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have plenty of information on there, uh, free report samples about what we do and how we can help. Again, we've been talking with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.